begin our, let's begin our sermon time with prayer today. We pray. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us together on this, uh, this rainy morning. Thank you for sending us your word to cheer and warm our hearts. Uh, please bless our meditation on your word in our sermon time today. Please send your Holy Spirit to build our faith and to build our confidence and trust in you, our, our outlook for the future, and to equip us to, to live for you during this Advent season and all of our lives. Bless our sermon time this morning, we pray in the name of Jesus our Savior. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, are you comfortable? Like, are you actually comfortable right now? I hope you are. I hope you're comfortable. Uh, there's actually a lot of work that has gone into trying to create a comfortable Sunday morning experience at In Town Lutheran Church. And if you're kind of new to our congregation, which, I mean, a lot of you are relatively new to our congregation, you may not even know uh, all of the discussion and thought that went into trying to create a comfortable Sunday morning experience. We spent possibly way too much time discussing what would be a comfortable yet portable chair for our worship space. Um, we spent possibly way too much time discussing whether we should have a handout or whether we should use screens. And then when it came to the screen, what would be the ideal you know, size and, and height so it could be comfortable to look at? And uh, we went to a lot of trouble to put in a dark background instead of a light background so it would be easier on the eyes and more comfortable in the case of eye strain. And then we've got the sound system and the heating system and the coffee system. We want you to have coffee that actually tastes good so it can effectively keep you awake. And we want to have more things to put in it than just that nasty powdered creamer stuff. And we want you to have cups that uh, you, know, you don't burn your hand on the hot coffee. So are you comfortable? I hope you're comfortable on a Sunday morning at In-Town Lutheran Church. And yet, in a different way, I kind of hope you're not comfortable. Why would I say that? Well, because you know this is a church where we teach God's Word in its truth and in its purity. We're not trying to come up with some creative new interpretation of religion, right? We're teaching pure Bible Christianity. And guess what? Pure Bible Christianity is not designed to necessarily make people comfortable. In fact, I think you could argue that maybe the opposite is true. That pure Bible Christianity makes you uncomfortable. Because you think about it, and what, uh, what things does God call us to do in the Bible? What kind of a life does God call Christians to? It is a life where... You know, regularly confess your sins and failures. It's a life where you're going to speak the truth regardless of the cost. It's a life where you die to yourself, letting go of your own desires and seeking after God's desires instead. It's a life where you learn to love your enemies and where you learn to forgive people even when they don't forgive you. So the point of Christianity is not to have a more comfortable life in this world. In fact, 
There are going to be times when Christianity challenges us and makes us uncomfortable. And yet, there is very good news in Bible Christianity, isn't there? Uh, Bible Christianity may not always make us comfortable, but it is a source of deep and lasting comfort. Comfort that is there no matter what. Comfort that remains with us in good times and in bad times. Comfort that holds strong all the way to eternity. So, the Bible might not make us comfortable, but it provides deep comfort. And case in point would be today's sermon text, coming from Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah speaks these words, he writes these words to a people who are far from comfortable. By the time that the Israelites read these words of our sermon text, they would have already been carried off into exile. Now you remember the history, right? There had been a time when uh, the Israelites were, they literally were on top of the world. They were the preeminent nation of the Middle East. You remember King David and all of his power, King Solomon and all of his wealth. Uh, Israel had it. But then, they turned their backs on God and they worshipped idols. And they kept turning their backs on God and they kept worshipping idols. And God sent prophets to warn them and they refused to listen. So God finally allowed the Babylonians to come in and conquer their army and tear down their city walls and destroy their temple and carry them off as captives into a foreign land. So at the time the Israelites read the words of our sermon text, they were very uncomfortable. They had lost their money. They had lost their property. They had lost, I don't know how many family members and friends who possibly died before their eyes. They were stuck. They were trapped in a country and a culture that was unfamiliar to them. They had no idea if they were ever going to get out of there. They had no idea if they were ever coming back home. And the most uncomfortable part of all was that it was their own fault. God had warned them, do not worship idols. I will send you into exile. And so they messed around and they found out and now they were in exile. They must have felt so much deep regret. Like, what were we thinking? Now it's too late. Now it's too late. And yet in this deeply uncomfortable time, what does God say through his prophet? The opening word, comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Her sin has been paid for. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So you notice in these verses, God does not say, don't worry, your life is going to be way more comfortable. They're still exiled. They're going to be exiled for a while. And when they go back to the promised land, life is not going to suddenly be easy. It may be in some cases harder as they're now fighting off the enemy nations that have come into their land. And yet God shares comfort that is so powerful and deep that they're going to be able to carry it with them and hold on to it through all the hard times that are coming. Here is God's comfort. Their hard work has been completed their sin has been paid for. And instead of receiving God's punishment, the sense here is that they are going to receive double blessings from God's hand, even after their sins. The work's been completed, their sins have been paid for, they're going to receive double blessings 
and we say and they say, you know, how could this be? The literal reason they went into exile was because they sinned against God and worshipped idols. They haven't even been there for a full generation yet. How can their sin possibly be paid for? How can the work of restoring their relationship with God possibly be done? Well, it wasn't paid for. It wasn't done, not by them. But God, as we know, was promising to send them a Savior. A Savior who would do the hard work of restoring their relationship with God. A Savior who would pay for their sins by dying on the cross. A Savior who would experience hell for his people so that they could receive an eternity of heaven and God's blessings there. Now technically, that Savior wasn't due to be born for about 600 more years, but in God's book, in God's sight, it's already as good as done. And that's comforting, isn't it? Like your life's problems might still be going on, your life's issues might not be fixed, but your relationship with God has been fixed. And so that's the first big point from this section of Scripture, is that God has comfort for his people. Even when we're uncomfortable, God has comfort for us, deep and lasting comfort. But then the second big point is, God doesn't just like have that comfort for you, but he sends it to you, he gives it to you, he finds messengers to tell his people about it. So, we keep talking about prophets. Throughout the Old Testament time, God repeatedly sent prophets, and their job was to speak God's word to his people. What's amazing about these prophets is that God kept sending them. <laughs> Even when they were rejected again and again and again, uh, God sent prophets to speak to his people before exile. God sent prophets to speak to his people after exile. God had some prophets go into exile with them and to speak his word in Babylon. God had other prophets stay in Jerusalem and speak God's word to those who were left over there. All of these prophets warned God's people about their sin in ways that made them uncomfortable. And yet all these prophets shared messages of forgiveness and restoration that provided deep comfort and hope. So no matter how uncomfortable things became in their physical outward life, God always had a voice of deep spiritual comfort for anybody who cared to listen to it. In fact, it's as though Isaiah is writing and it's as though he can hear the voice of that comfort coming right now. Here's what he says. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. So the book of Isaiah is full of like picture language and metaphors. This chapter alone has like 15 of them in it. You've got to kind of pick, what are we going to focus on? But this is the big one. It's the picture of a drastic landscaping project where entire mountains are being flattened, entire valleys are being filled in, and a straight, flat, unobstructed road is going right through the heart of this savage wilderness. What does this picture mean? 
Well, if you're an exiled Israelite hearing these words, there's one thing that you're definitely thinking about. There is a lot of desert, there's a lot of wilderness in between Babylon and Jerusalem. And you can't read these verses, you can't visualize this picture without the idea that your God is going to somehow blast a way through that wilderness and find a way to come and get you in exile and bring you back safely to your home. And eventually, that was going to happen. In fact, they would return from exile in just one generation much more quickly than I think any of them guessed that they would. But there's also a second landscaping project that's going on here. And it is a spiritual landscaping project. Right? It's a project where God cuts through the sin and the hard-heartedness and the distractions and the temptations and the failures of his people. And God cuts a path right to the center of his people's hearts. And that's the uh, spiritual landscaping project that John the Baptist would talk about in his ministry as he preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We talked about it with the kids, and uh, we know what repentance is. The word repentance literally means to turn. As we teach this in our Bible Basics class, we talk about repentance having four components to it. It's basically first, admitting I've sinned. Secondly, I'm sorry for my sin. Third, I trust that God has sent me a Savior for my sin. And finally, I have a desire to turn away from my sin and not do it again. I messed up. I feel bad about it. I need somebody else to fix me, and I want to not mess up again. Does that sound like a fun process? Not really. Does it sound like a comfortable process? Not really. I mean, none of us want to admit that we're wrong in general, let alone that we're like morally flawed from birth. None of us wants to admit that the only way we can be made right with God is for somebody outside of us to do it, for a Savior to come in and rescue us with his life and not our own. Repentance is not necessarily fun. Repentance is certainly not comfortable, but it does lead to and result in massive comfort. Because instead of either ignoring our sins and just not thinking about them, leave them in the past and they're lurking there, but we're going to just not think about them, instead we bring them out and deal with them, and then we don't have to deal with them and fix them ourselves. The fix, in fact, comes from completely outside of ourselves. It comes from someone else. It comes from the Son of God who fixed our sins with his life and death and resurrection and has made us right with God in his sight right now. It comes from the outside. And so even though the process of getting there is uncomfortable, the forgiveness from Jesus provides beautiful comfort. We can carry with us every day of our life. We need that comfort. We need to be right with God. We need to know that eternity with God is coming in heaven because of Jesus. We need that because our life in this world is not going to last forever. Speaking of uncomfortable topics, Isaiah just plows right ahead with another voice. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry this time? 
All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fall. It's the word of the Lord that endures forever. Again, words from God that don't necessarily make us feel comfortable as God pokes us and reminds us that each generation of human beings is like the grass or the new flowers of spring. That we pop up, you know, fresh and ready and full of life and ready to conquer the world and do everything right, unlike those other generations before us. And then what happens to each generation of the world? Sin and selfishness and anger and divisions and all of the same problems, and finally, death. No one lives forever. And yet, what does endure forever? The word of the Lord. And not just words on a page, but the word of the Lord, which tells us about a living Savior who conquered the grave. The word of the Lord, which tells us about a spiritual place in heaven that has been prepared for us after we die. And the word of the Lord that tells us about a day of resurrection where we will be raised and live physically and spiritually with God forever. You picture a whole new field, a whole new crop of flowers that are never going to get old and wither and fade and die. Flowers, grass that will live and endure forever. That's who you are. That's who we are by being connected to our risen Savior. So again, you've got the uncomfortable and then you've got the deep comfort. It's not fun to admit we're mortal and flawed, but it is fun to be connected to a risen Savior who has guaranteed for us eternal life. We're getting the point, I think. Comfort for the uncomfortable. And there's one final thought in the text, and it's this one. As God keeps providing voices of comfort for each and every generation, who's going to be the voice of your generation? Well, that's an easy one. It'll be you. It'll be you. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. So as you lift up your voice and as you speak to people about God, what you're ultimately speaking is a message of deep, deep comfort. As you explain to people about the God of biblical Christianity, what kind of a God is it that we have? Well, it's the sovereign Lord who comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. His reward is with him. His recompense, which I'm pretty sure just means reward, accompanies him. But what kind of a God do we have? He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. This is the kind of God that we have. And these are the words of comfort that people in your life need to hear. Because we all have people. We said at the beginning of the service, right, who's busy right now, who's maybe overwhelmed right now, but we all have stuff going on in our life and we all have people 
in our life who have all kinds of issues going on in their life. And as much as we wish we could, we cannot promise that God is going to immediately make them comfortable. You can't tell somebody if they become a Christian, all their health problems are going to go away. You can't tell a person. If we all become Christians, God is going to create peace in the Middle East. You can't promise people that if they become a Christian, all of their earthly problems will be gone. Life in this sin-filled world is always going to be uncomfortable. And yet, comfort comes from a God who loves us, despite all of our flaws and failures. A God who has already laid down his life for his people. A God who now tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers us in his arms. He carries us close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. The God who leads us through this uncomfortable world and into a heaven where everything will finally be perfect. Everything will finally be comfortable forever. And so God bless you brothers and sisters, as you embrace that deep comfort that God gives you, even during the busyness and discomfort of this holiday season, God bless you as you embrace that deep comfort for yourself. And may God give you many opportunities to be the voice of that comfort to the people in your life. May God grant that to each one of us for Jesus' sake. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and your minds through faith In Christ Jesus, your Savior. Amen.